This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as Line of Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26th, 2022. It's from the track Web3 and CBDCs, The Future of Money is Here, sponsored by NYDIG and is titled Innovations in Bitcoin. Speaking on this session are Ron McDaniel from NYDIG, Ahan Sarkar from Helix, with moderator Brian Korn from Minot. I'm Brian Korn. I'm a partner at Manette Phelps. We're a law firm. We deal in all issues of Web3, including tokenization, DeFi, NFTs. Uh, we um, have done de- uh, deals for uh, Crypto.com, FTX. We did the Coachella Festival NFT drops. Uh, and we've also worked in all areas of, of, of tokenomics, uh, working with uh, companies that are dealing in both Bitcoin and, and alternative currencies. And I will let my panelists introduce themselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Ron McDaniel. I'm the head of banking solutions at NYDIG. Um, what that means is that I work with uh, banks and credit unions to allow them to bring digital assets to their customers and their members inside of a traditional uh, financial institution environment. And when I tell real you know, digital asset cryptocurrency people that, they always tell me that I have the weirdest job in crypto, which is saying something. Uh, NYDIG is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a large institutionally focused cryptocurrency services firm. Uh, We provide a number of services, including execution, custody, uh, and and software as a service that allows us to deliver um, the cryptocurrency services, Bitcoin mainly, to the banks and credit unions we work with. We're also in the payment space. Uh, we also have lending lines. Uh, we're kind of an all-in-one provider strictly to institutions. We are not a retail-focused company. Ahan? Yeah, nice to meet you guys. Uh, my name is Ahan. I'm the general manager of a company called Helix, uh, which is a banking-as-a-service platform that powers all kinds of different companies, companies like Credit Karma, Betterment, Acorns, Gusto, and more recently, Nidig. Um, and helps them basically build unique banking products. Uh, funnily enough, Ram and I uh, were both on uh, what is now the Helix team back in the day, so, so we've worked together for quite a bit. Uh, but today we really focus on how do you push the envelope of what companies can do um, in the world of fiat currency and, and bring the worlds of crypto and fiat closer together? How do you help companies build something that's actually differentiated and not just the same cookie-cutter shit that you'd get somewhere else? And how do you help them build a real profitable business that's going to scale over time? So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Ahan, you know, to having been, you know, not just one of the first people on the banking as a service bandwagon, but jumping off right at the bottom of the hockey stick. That was another great <laughs> move for me. But, but one of the things me. that is interesting that we, uh, that we work on together, uh, that's an example of that, I think, is, the, is NYDIG's uh, Bitcoin savings plan, which is an employer benefit uh, where the Helix team was able to solve a really interesting problem for us uh, that allowed us that allows an employer and an employee to divert a portion of their paycheck uh, into Bitcoin. And maybe you want to walk through the use case and we'll do some questions because this is an example of you know how digital assets, in particular Bitcoin, are becoming not just mainstream in the sense that people are buying Bitcoin, but they're actually using Bitcoin in the context of a traditional financial service like payroll, like a payment like uh, a savings device. Yeah, no, I appreciate the, uh, the layout. Uh, I'd say, you know, the, the product overall is, is being able to take a percentage of your payroll, move that into a separate fiat wallet, and then convert that into Bitcoin and be able to store Bitcoin. So effectively, you get a percentage of your paycheck in Bitcoin. And, and honestly, it's been so popular, we got asked within Q2, the organization we're a part of, um, to actually offer it to our employees. So today, you know, we have this Bitcoin payroll allocation powered by NYDIG, 
literally offered out to Q2 employees. I think the really interesting thing though, between the partnership between Nidig and, and, and Q2 slash Helix is it, it goes both ways, right? So that product is you know powered by Helix holding the fiat currency and Nidig holding the cryptocurrency. But then also at, at Q2, we have something called the Innovation Studio, which basically lets us embed functionality within traditional financial institutions. So hundreds of banks and credit unions and Nidig is actually one of the premier partners in that innovation studio. So now you have a world in which, you know, direct consumers can access this type of service through Nidig, but then also you can access this at your bank or at your credit union, kind of taking your your physical assets and your digital assets and uh, bringing them under one roof. Okay, we'll stop. Shadow so so let me let me jump in. <laughs> and uh, we are really so so the the panel is innovations in. Bitcoin. Um, with the, the day will be devoted to all sorts of Web3 applications, but specifically we're talking about Bitcoin this morning. Uh, Bitcoin is, um, you know, created by uh, by Satoshi. Uh, no one knows who or who, who this this person is. Uh, it's it's kind of shrouded in mystery and and mystique and. Uh, when people put money into Bitcoin, uh, it's kind of all fun and games until it's not. Uh, and uh, we had Eric Adams, the mayor, uh, speaking at the first panel, and he explained how he took his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. And I think, you know, we we can all snicker at that because, uh, you know, he has uh, free room and board and transportation, security, and everything else. Um, what, what, you know, going back two weeks where we saw this... Uh, this this somewhat sharp decline correction 25 30 percent uh and and if you look at the year chart of, of bitcoin it's um you know 25k to 68 uh is this something that is expected for a while uh and more importantly i guess you know i think for the for the lay people it's 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 hard to understand why things like this happen uh are there shorts out there are there people who are um, who are capitalizing on uh, on on highs and lows and different thresholds and you know what is the average person supposed to make of that? Um, you're you're a lawyer. Do you have a standard? This is not advice uh, disclaimer yes. that okay. I can. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I I'm, I'm not sure. I agree with the premise that people don't know what they're getting into when they buy an asset or when they invest in an asset or when they take a position. Um, who, who in this room has some level of position in the stock market, owns some kind of equities, 401k, any stock, who owns any stock at all? A couple of people. Have you ever been through a time when the value of that didn't decline for some period at, at some time? Okay. Now who in, who in here owns Bitcoin? Ever seen it go down before? So... I don't know if the value of Bitcoin is going to be $10,000, $100, um, $1,000, or $100,000 next month, next year, six months from now. Uh, I am personally agnostic about it, and NIDIG produces really good research that can all of you can look at that can help you frame up the topic. Um, what I do think is that the value is not going to go to zero and that the horse has left the barn. There's been a series of drawdowns throughout the history of this, just as there have in stocks and every other traditional asset class. We view this as an asset class. People are allocating into this asset class, I think with a reasonable set of expectations. And look, I think, I think Bitcoin has some um, intrinsic attributes that differentiate it 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not a maximalist, and, and but I do think that as a firm, we believe it has some attributes that make it unique among cryptocurrency as a store of value and as a and as a um, and as a unit of account uh, that people that has you know kind of durable value going forward. I think part of it is what drives value, right? Perception drives value, utility drives value, ubiquity drives value. And you know, today, where unlike 10 years ago, you have what a thousand different cryptocurrencies, you can't say that all three of those exist with, with most of them, right? But in the case of Bitcoin, I mean, on the way here, I saw a restaurant that takes Bitcoin as payment, right? Bitcoin, I think, is probably the most widely recognized cryptocurrency in the world. And the sort of perception of Bitcoin as the store of value and as an alternative to other stores of value, particularly in more volatile climates, continues to improve, right? And so are there gonna be ups and downs? Absolutely, there are with, with any asset class. Um, but I think when you think about investing in an asset class, it comes down to, are those intrinsics solid? Because if those intrinsics are solid, then you'll make it through the ups and downs. If not, as I think we saw with cryptocurrencies like Luna, um, then you have a real problem where to Ram's point, you know, the value can come down to zero. I think to your point on Bitcoin, I like your, your phrase, the horse has left the barn. Uh, those three things to some extent have proved out and are continuing to improve over time. One, one more thing on that. There, there's a tendency to sort of lump, particularly people, I, I think this is a pretty savvy room, but when we get outside in kind of the, the normal space outside of fintech, outside of crypto. The Mother's Day brunch Yeah, right. There, there's on, a, we have with our relatives. Yeah. Don't talk about crypto. <laughs> there, there's a, there you don't. There's a, there's a tendency to sort of lump everything crypto into one big bucket. Right, you got NFTs and CBDCs and stable coins and kind of big cryptocurrencies and everything else. And so every one of those is different. And so part of what the work that we do is is providing um, the clients that we work with, banks, credit unions in particular, with an understanding of how each of those has a different application and in the assets a different thesis. I understand what the thesis is for somebody taking a position in Bitcoin. You take the top two cryptocurrencies. That's I, I, I don't know what it is today, but let's call it 70% of the market. The next nine are basically percentile 71 through about 85. And then all the other 18,700-ish cryptocurrencies that I know of are the other 14%, including Carol Baskin's CatCoin. Now, good for her. I'm sure the project has, maybe, I don't know what the purpose is, but I'm sure it has a purpose, right? I don't know what the investment is for, for CatCoin. I don't know whether CatCoin is deflationary. I don't know those things. I'm not saying it's not, but I do know that if 22%, uh, according to our research, and 32%, according to visas of American adults, own Bitcoin, I can't think of another financial service or, or product that that much of the population is involved in that banks don't touch. Right? Like that's a lot of money coming out of the bank and going into a particular asset class, going into a financial service that they don't touch. And I think that's part of the thesis for them. So let's talk about that. That's, that's a, a great segue. Uh, and we mentioned ubiquity. Uh, people own fiat, obviously, through traditional financial institutions. Uh, the form factor for a user investing in Bitcoin is, is different. Uh, it's not a city or Chase account or Wells Fargo. Uh, I have to have a different app. I have to remember my passwords. I have to keep track of, of both of them simultaneously. Uh, it's, uh, you know, most people aren't buying Bitcoins in, in 
ones and fives and, and dozens. It's uh, it's it's highly decimalized, which uh, which is 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 difficult to conceptualize for some people who aren't uh, uh, math majors. What, what do you see as the convergence of the, of the user interface uh, between what we have today and, and where we see the, the, the use of this and, and where it's going to go? Okay, I just want to be clear that I didn't attend a prep session because this is going to seem like a real softball. And I, uh, <laughs> so the, this, that is actually what we're doing with Q2, uh, between Nidig and Q2, meaning Q2 as, <clears throat> uh, as, a pretty, as the largest, I think, independent digital banking provider is providing the user experience layer that displays accounts and lets people log in and see their balance and do transfers and everything else. They have consumed our API and are now providing a trading interface inside of the home screen of a typical user's um, you know, digital banking experience. So if you are a member of Unify Federal Credit Union, all whatever 100 plus thousand members of them can log in and they can have an experience of opening a Bitcoin account and buying cryptocurrency that feels very much like any other bank account with appropriate disclosures and everything else feels like any other bank account and the mechanism of buying the Bitcoin feels very much like a transfer. And when the balance is displayed, the balance is displayed in real time that shows the value in Satoshi and the value in fiat currency. And so that's part of that bridge to adoption because if you think you know, one of the things that our research says is that, you know, 22% of the population owns Bitcoin and 80% of those people would like to keep it with their bank or their credit union if they could. And 50% of the people, 51% who don't own it would like to get it from their bank if they could. What that tells us is that your question is right on, that they want an experience that feels like what they're used to and they want the same intermediaries to the financial system to play the same role with digital assets that they do with fiat currency. And so that's what we're working with Q2 on. I think it's not just banks and credit unions, right? Like I think your question yeah. draws a spotlight to the world of embedded finance, right? Which is why suddenly are all these companies launching, whether it be financial services or it be cryptocurrency inside of their applications because of that problem, right? Because it used to be this separate thing where you need a set, I mean, it used to be a cold storage key that you would have and you would have to remember it. And I lost mine and I will never forgive myself for it. But today, right? Yeah, if you have a separate application and you kind of have this super fragmented uh, financial life, it's sort of a pain, right? Like nobody wants to manage 85 different applications on their phone. I can't even remember which ones I have on my phone. And so as you think about what both Nidegg and Helix are doing from an embedded perspective, it's really about if you're driving ubiquity, how do you get that to where the person wants to be in the first place, right? Instead of forcing them to go somewhere else or do something else. And then more importantly, how do you make it interchangeable with the thing they already use? Like what you're hearing in Ram's response is an interchangeability between fiat and cryptocurrency. You're not just seeing with this partnerships, you're seeing credit cards out there that are offering Bitcoin rewards. You're seeing um, exchanges start to look at offering checking accounts and all that kind of stuff. And I think to your point, it's about how do you bring these two worlds closer together so that there's one point of contact? How do you highlight efficiencies between the two and make them interchangeable so that you can actually use it in the real world? Uh, we have time for a question or two if uh, you want to log in or scan the QR code. Uh, but in the, uh, in, in the final moments, I think uh, one of the things we, we had touched upon before is, uh, you know, curbing fraud and uh, the perception, at least, that Bitcoin is used as ransomware payments and other sorts of, of non-traceable or lightly traceable. Um, is, is that, uh, and, and Silk Road, is, is that 
I, I see that significantly waning over the past few years. Do you think that we've sort of shed that reputation uh, by and large? And I, I think the reputation is. I think the reputation is coming off to reflect more the reality that it, that a transparent ledger is a pretty bad place to do a crime. Like it's kind of like I mean, like there's this perception. There used to be this perception that it's anonymous, but it's really not anonymous in the way we think about anonymity. It's more like spray painting your own nickname on the wall of the police station. Like eventually <laughs> they, they figure out who that is and they catch you. So, so I, think that, I, I think that, you know, particularly, uh, you know, regulators and financial crimes investigators are making the case for us by the news stories that you see about people recovering from theft and also stopping, um, you know, stopping things as they happen that are meant to evade the rules in one form or another. So, yeah, I think that's less of a problem. Now, for, for some of the other blockchains that are out there, I think that's maybe less true, but for Bitcoin, at least, the perception seems to be fading that it's, you know, just for criminals or whatever. Well, part of that was also just a lack of understanding, right? If, if you don't understand what something can do, you're going to try and find the most obvious immediate use case and say, Let's, that must be what it's for. That must be the real risk. I mean, if you look, if you zoom out of the U.S., right, and you look globally, crypto adoption broadly has ballooned in the last, you know, six, nine months. And the reason is because there's real utility in, in what it's offering, right? So like if you live in a country like Venezuela, where you can't really trust your own currency, but you need to be able to buy goods, you need to be able to send money to your family or get money from your family, et cetera. Something like Bitcoin as a store of value is a lot more appealing than your existing currency. Is it because you're trying to go sell drugs? No, you're just trying to survive, right? But I think in the last 10 years, since Bitcoin sort of started to, to really go out into the market, people are becoming more and more aware of what you can do with, with Bitcoin and understanding, oh, that very initial use case when there was no ubiquity, there was no understanding, there was no interchangeability has changed dramatically. And to Ram's point, our understanding of anonymity um, inside of cryptocurrency is probably different than it was maybe 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, in, in an uncertain world, more and more people are, a very uncertain world, more and more people are adopting uh, Bitcoin as a, as a hedge against, you know, governments and financial El systems. Salvador, they feel, right? like they can't, yeah. you know, feel like they can't necessarily trust or maybe they don't have equity in. I mean, I think that a lot of what we are doing is very much about financial inclusion uh, and bringing equity to uh, a world that doesn't have much up. Great. I think uh, one quick last point. Uh, I saw a uh, sign coming in saying FinTech in 2027. What's your prediction uh, for where this will be in 2027? Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give a few predictions, right? I think the first one may, may sound self-serving, but I think you're seeing it across the entire market, which is to say that I think you will see more and more non-financial firms start to offer financial services. To your point around interchangeability, to your point around utility, and to your point around meeting the person where they're at. And I think... Today, it's all about, hey, can you launch a financial service? And that's great. And then pretty quickly, it's evolving into, can you launch a profitable business with financial services? What it will become is, can you launch a meaningful, profitable business that is different out in the market? And that difference comes with taking the intrinsics of something like cryptocurrency or fiat currency, or whatever, and not just act like tacking it on, but marrying it with your existing business to make a, a whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. So I think in the fiat world, you'll see that in gaming businesses, you'll see that in digital economies, you'll see that in telcos where you wouldn't really expect it. In the cryptocurrency world, I think you'll see one, that interchangeability with fiat and the broader utility, 
But I also think you'll see people find new use cases with, with cryptocurrency inside of their existing business. Like what does cryptocurrency do for music royalty payments, right? What does cryptocurrency do for uh, insurance disbursements, right? I think you, when you start to explore the fundamentally inefficient rails that a lot of these financial businesses are built on, you realize that there's kind of an opportunity to create something different and that if you can combine your existing moat with that functionality, well, then you have a, a meaningful business. That was like five predictions, but uh, well, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I, you know, I'll leave being a futurist to people like Brett King who are a lot better at it than I am. But I, but I will say this, that, that blockchain in particular and the use cases inside of financial services, I think will concentrate on taking the shittiness out of a lot of things that are very manual, very clunky, and frankly digitized representations of paper processes that everybody used 50 or 60 years ago. Classic example of that would be a real estate transaction, right? Buying a home, buying a car, the multiple parties involved in that. There are things that uh, I, I think taking that clunkiness out. I'm a lapsed certified treasury professional. There's a whole range of things that you can do around uh, payments in particular that are B2B payments and settlement between entities that blockchain and Bitcoin blockchain and Lightning Network are all kind of uniquely good at solving. And so I think five years from now, you're gonna see a much more streamlined, much more efficient set of payment and settlement services than what's available in the market today. Great, and we will leave it at that. Uh, Ram McDaniel, Ahan Sarkar, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks everybody.